The world is hungry, longing for Christians who will really dress up like Christians. When they see them, they will know them. And we will be influencers because people see us and people know us. We can be influencers. We don't even have to mention the name of Christ. But if we're living Christ, if we are Christ to people, they will see, they will know, and they will be influenced by that. And then we will have opportunities to tell them about Jesus, which we do need to tell about Jesus. And so what are these dynamics? What are the clothes that we need to put on as Christians? How do we need to clothe ourselves as God's chosen people who are holy and deeply, deeply loved? Well, Paul tells us here a few things. He says, uh, uh, okay, put on then some things. Compassionate hearts. Hearts that, that are merciful. Hearts that seek to understand how people feel. Now, one of the most repulsive things that I've seen in, in quite a long time is, frankly, the, the parties, the street parties that have been there uh, around um, Margaret Thatcher's death. Just so incredibly tasteless. Now, regardless of what you think about her, regardless of whether you like her, her, her uh, policies or not, you know, to, to celebrate in such an ostentatious way is just really <coughs> disgusting. There's no sense of a compassionate heart there. No sense at all. And God's saying, no, Christians, we've we got to have compassionate hearts. Compassionate hearts. Hearts that look on others with mercy and understanding. And he says, also, you need to have kindness. You need to know how to treat people well. Treat people appropriately. Show respect to people. There also needs to be humility. You need to make yourself low. Oh, at City Temple, one of the things that we do, and one of the tests that are, are almost always there for leadership, is whether or not you're willing to do dishes. And if you're not willing to do dishes, then I'm not sure how keen I am on having you do anything in ministry in the life of the church. Uh, and if you're willing to do dishes, that doesn't mean you can do other ministry, but boy, it's a good pathway because you demonstrate the fact that you're humble, that you're willing to make yourself low. That you're willing to serve other people. And that's what Christians do. We don't have to shout our names. We don't have to uh, advertise ourselves. And then there's also this meekness. And by meekness, it sounds very similar to humility. But what it's talking about here is gentleness. You know, not forcing ourselves on other people. Not forcing our way. But being gentle. Being gentle. Gentle and humble. And then he says, uh, also, whoops, I lost my place there, and patience. That's everybody's favorite. By the way, never pray for patience. I was with a, a meeting of uh, ministers here about a week or so ago, and the guy was saying, oh, I, I really think I need patience. We were, we're going to pray for each other. I said, I really need patience. And I said, I won't pray for your patience. I said, what are you talking about? You won't pray for patience. Well, the Bible says that tribulation works patience. <laughs> so if you pray for patience... You're paying for praying for tribulation. So how many of you parents, I mean, this is really, really dumb, parents, say, oh, God, give me more patience with my children. <laughs> You're saying, God, make my children really annoying and disobedient to me so that I have to resist killing them. <laughs> don't do that. Just don't pray that way. You know, if it comes, it comes. You know, let the Holy Spirit produce it in you, but don't go after it. You know, that's good going after. 
trouble, you know, and get rid of it. But, but you're going to put it on. You're going to put on patience. You're, you'll wear it like your clothes there. And then he says, bearing with one another. That's enduring each other. You know, if, if, if you have somebody in this church that is really annoying you, you know, that, that really maybe has said something that's offended you, or uh, you just don't like them very much, you don't like the way they talk or the way they act or the way they dress, whatever it is, God did that on purpose. He really did. He puts us together in the church. Think, we come together in the church and everything's supposed to be good and pleasant. We're all harmonious and all getting along all the time and all agreeing. And, oh, I just love you. I just love you. I just love you. Oh, you just love you. That's not a very manly South African way to do it. Like, I love you, man. Whoa. Muslims certainly don't give grace. 
Jesus Christ that we can understand this amazing concept of grace and understand how important it is for us to give grace to one another. And as we give grace to people, and by the way, all of these things are true not only for people in the church as you're interacting with them, but they're especially true for people in the marketplace. When you go to work tomorrow, as you interact with them. So as you give grace to people, and as you give them more and more and more grace, it's a really astounding thing. Because the world doesn't understand it. People around us don't understand it. And that's, and that's the, the call there. As the Lord has given grace to you, so also you must give grace to others. And above all these things, put on love. So, Rod, you made fun of love a little bit earlier. And now here it is. You know, Paul saying just love each other. But that's not what Paul is saying. We have such a sentimental idea about love in our world, even in the church. Even in the church, we have a sentimental idea about love. But love is a self-sacrificing commitment to another person for their good. That's the word that Paul is using here. Self-sacrificing commitment to another person for that person's good. What really will benefit that person. And love is a gritty thing. Love is a difficult thing. Love is tough. Love sent Jesus Christ to the cross. Now it takes a real tough man to love like Jesus loved. And we need to really get rid of a lot of the sentimental, airy-fairy notions of love that we carry around in our minds. That if we love, everything's going to be great. That everything will be fine. That uh, we'll never have struggles. We'll never have problems. And, and, and that's why. No. We love in spite of those things. We love through those things. We love because of those things. And that's why Paul says here, above everything else, put on love, because what love does, it binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, perfect means complete or total. It's when we have this love for each other that we can come together in this perfect harmony. Now, notice what he doesn't say. It's not perfect unison. Sometimes that's what we think or that's what we assume. That if we really love, then we're all going to think the same. We're all going to be the same. We're all going to act the same. We're all going to dress the same. We're all going to uh, uh, interact the same. We'll say the same things. We'll have the same ideas and so on and so forth. But that's not true. What love does, it takes a bunch of different, uh, sometimes uh, uh, annoying uh, people, puts them together, and allows them to create a beautiful harmony. Harmony is not everybody singing the same note. Harmony is when people sing different notes that fit together perfectly. And that's what love does. <laughs> It takes the different notes that we play in our lives, the different songs that we sing, the different ideas that God gives us, the, the different strategies that we have about reaching people for Christ, and so on and so forth, and brings them together and creates a harmony. Makes it sound like they all go together in the first place. That's true in marriages as well. Now, how often do, do we come together and we expect that 
it, once we get married, I'm going to find my soulmate, and, and uh, he's going to think exactly the way I think, and that he'll be willing to talk with me for hours and hours and hours on end, or listen to me hours and hours on end, and we're just going to have a wonderful time, and he'll always buy me flowers for Valentine's Day, and uh, he'll always buy me exactly what I want for Christmas, even though I don't tell him and he doesn't ask me. He will know exactly. He'll never miss an anniversary. And he'll do all kinds of wonderful things for me uh, every day without me ever asking. He'll clean the house. He'll cook the food. He'll raise the kids. And he'll go out and he'll work. And then we discover that Jesus isn't available. And it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. It never will happen. It never has happened in the history of the earth. Adam and Eve couldn't cut it. Nobody else is. But that's not what love does. Love blends. It brings together. It harmonizes. And that's why we need to embrace it. And it's this zealous, self-sacrificing commitment. And along with this love, we need to let the peace of Christ, the sense of well-being, the sense of God's presence, let that rule in our hearts. Let that be a guide. It is an appropriate guide in your life to be looking for peace about the decisions that you make. And if you do not have the peace of Christ in your heart, then it's probably not the right decision. And you need to wait, and you need to seek it out. And so you need to let this peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. We'll come back to Thanksgiving here in just a moment. But Thanksgiving is so, so important. There's so few people in this world that are thankful. If you think about it, the next time you're riding on the bus, find out how many people thank the driver. Listen, uh, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody but my wife and I thank our bus driver. Or the taxi driver. Uh, or the person serving you at the counter. Or so on and so forth. Listen this week to how seldom People are thankful. And then start to do the other thing. Put it on. Be thankful. Choose to be thankful. And he says, Now let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so the key thing is we're putting all of these things on. We let the uh, the peace of Christ rule in us and the word of Christ dwell in us. That's why we have to come together in the church. We need each other because we need the word of Christ. And you will not just get the word of Christ on your own. Personal Bible study is good. But you need to be coming together with other Christians. Because we're called to teach each other and admonish each other. That means to challenge each other, by the way. And so if you don't have somebody that will challenge you, uh, you're not doing exactly what God wants you to do. We need to challenge each other. I'm so thankful at City Temple that we're building up a culture where people are not afraid to challenge me as the minister. And I've encouraged that. doesn't mean I always like it, but I encourage it because we're better because of it. So if we let the Word of Christ dwell in us, we're reading the scriptures, we're hearing the word preached, we're singing the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which is the, one of the greatest ways for the word of Christ to dwell in us. And that's why it's so important to sing good quality songs like you do here. And all of these things, the, the word of Christ just works in us. 
and it becomes even more natural for us to put on all the other things that Paul has been talking about here. And as we do this, we need to do it again with thankfulness in your hearts toward God. Here you got thanksgiving a second time. And then he says, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, whenever the Bible repeats something three times in a row, it means it's really, really, really important. So this whole issue of thanksgiving is so very important. It is one of the things that will set us apart as Christians from most other people in the world. There's this discipline about giving thanks, giving thanks, giving thanks, giving thanks, thanking people, thanking God. And it also creates joy in us. Because as you're, you're giving thanks, it causes you to focus on the good and the beneficial, that which is praiseworthy. And how you focus determines whether or not you will have joy. And so thanksgiving can create joy in us. And so God emphasizes it time after time after time. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. It orients us in the right direction. It orients us in God's direction. And so on and so forth. And then Paul here in this last sentence gives us really the coup de grace, if you will. Uh, the, the, the high point of, of what he's saying here in this passage. And he says, whatever you do, whatever you do, no matter where you are, whether you're on your own, whether you're in church, whether you're at work, whether you're on the bus, on the tube, driving your car, playing rugby, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whatever, uh, what, what, whatever you do, in word or in deed, in what you say or how you choose. Now notice how this connects back up to what Paul started out this passage with. How we orient our minds and our wills. Our words proceed from our minds, from what we're thinking, what's up there. Our deeds proceed from our choices, what we choose, our wills. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything, everything, in the name of the Lord Jesus. To do something in someone's name means that you're seeking to represent that person perfectly. And it also means that you have the authority to represent that person. Now, I don't have the authority to do anything in the name of the Queen. She hasn't given me that authority. I, I'm really disappointed. I've been here for almost 12 years. I've never once been invited for tea. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know most of you have. Maybe next time you're there, if you could put in a good word for me, Tom, it's a, there's this lonely colonialist that really would like a lovely cup of tea with the Queen really admires the queen and doesn't agree with, you know, the guys 300 years or so ago that, you know, the queen should be shot or anything like that. Uh, so tell her, no threat from me, you know, I'm, I'm her friend when you see her. But I have no authority to do anything in her name. If I walked on the street and I walked up to one of the City of London police officers and I said, in the name of the queen, I command you to park the street. You say, what? Do you need a hospital? 
something in the name. Only people who are properly representative can do something in someone else's name. This is what Paul is saying here. He's saying, you represent Christ. You represent Jesus to people. So whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you choose, do it all in the authority of Jesus, fully representing Jesus. In the authority of Jesus, fully representing Jesus. People need to see Jesus in you. They desperately need to see Jesus in you. So whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all. All. Representing Jesus to other people. And the way we do it, it's simply what Paul's been telling us all along. Understanding who you are in Christ. You are God's chosen one, holy and dearly loved. And orienting yourself fully toward God. If that is the orientation of your life, you will naturally think his thoughts. You will naturally make his choices. And in the fullness of that, then putting on all of these things so that when people see you, they're seeing Jesus. As you do that, and that is God's call for you every single day of your life, as you do that, the world will change. One person at a time, one situation at a time, the world will change. That's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do love you. We honor you. We adore you. And we thank you. Father, I pray that you would connect us with even one thing in this list today. Even one thing that you're calling us to do. And let us choose that thing. As we orient ourselves toward you perfectly, fully, freely, in Christ Jesus our Lord. We love you, praise you, and honor you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, now this is your last opportunity, since it's the, the last of the three Sundays that I'm preaching. It's your last opportunity to really impress Rianne with the size of the offering. Uh, so uh, let's continue to worship God in all seriousness as we do our tithes and offerings.